Hello, knowledge seekers. In this episode of 20 Minute Books, we delve into poor economics, a groundbreaking exploration of poverty's most pressing challenges and the inefficacies of traditional measures to alleviate it. Authored by Abhijit V. Banerjee and Esther Duflo, esteemed professors of economics at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, this book is a culmination of over 15 years of dedicated research. Through their fieldwork, Banerjee and Duflo have gained profound insights into the complexities of poverty, providing them with a unique perspective on why poverty persists and how to effectively tackle it. Poor economics is not just an academic discourse. It's a beacon of hope, offering concrete, actionable suggestions to overcome global poverty. The authors dissect the reasons behind the continuous struggle against poverty and the failure of conventional interventions, guiding us toward innovative solutions that promise a brighter future for the world's impoverished populations. This book is essential reading for anyone seeking to understand the persistent nature of global poverty, individuals passionate about development economics, and those intrigued by the politics of development. Through poor economics, Banerjee and Duflo challenge us to rethink our approach to eradicating poverty making it a must-read for anyone looking to contribute to a more equitable world. Poor Economics, a radical rethinking of the way to fight global poverty. Introduction, unlocking the puzzle of poverty with a fresh lens. The war against global poverty has rallied an eclectic army, from seasoned policymakers and economists to glittering celebrities and activists. Yet despite this formidable force, the specter of poverty lingers stubbornly across the globe. The enlightening work, Poor Economics, dives into this pressing issue, proposing that a major tactical error is our outdated approach to understanding poverty. The crux of the matter, according to the authors, is our infatuation with sweeping theories that overshadows the nuanced realities faced by the impoverished. We have, in essence, sidelined the very people we aim to uplift, overlooking their complex day-to-day struggles and the puzzling decisions they navigate. The book posits that a seismic shift in perspective is necessary, one that homes in on the intricacies of the lives of the impoverished to discern what types of aid truly bear fruit and which fall by the wayside. Poor economics beckons us to embark on a journey of empathy and understanding, urging us to unravel why the financially disadvantaged often make choices that appear counterproductive or self-sabotaging. It challenges us to delve deeper into pressing enigmas. Why does the uptake of life-saving medication remain low among the poor? What drives the tendency for women in impoverished regions to have more children than their counterparts in wealthier areas? And, in a world where every penny counts, why do poor families allocate their scarce resources to purchase substandard, nutritionally void food? By adopting this fresh perspective, poor economics not only shines a light on these perplexing questions, but also opens the door to innovative solutions. It suggests that the key to alleviating global poverty lies not in the broad brushstrokes of grand theories, but in the fine details of the everyday lives of the poorest among us. This groundbreaking approach beckons us to reassess our strategies, 
and perhaps chart a more effective course towards eradicating global poverty. Part 1. Revisiting the battle against poverty, the quest for ground-level solutions. In a world where poverty is a grim reality for millions, culminating in untold suffering and loss of life, the quest for a definitive solution has been persistent yet seemingly elusive. This enduring challenge has sparked intense debates among economists and policymakers, who often find themselves entrenched in grand discussions about overarching strategies for alleviating poverty on a global scale. A common fault line in these debates involves the dichotomy of opinions on whether developing countries require more or less external assistance to foster economic growth. On one side of the divide, renowned economist Jeffrey Sachs advocates for a significant increase in development aid from wealthy nations, arguing that an annual injection of $195 billion over two decades could potentially eradicate poverty by 2025. Contrarily, another faction warns against the pitfalls of external interventions, suggesting that developing countries may fare better without such aid, underscoring the potential for negative outcomes and inefficacy. Such polarized viewpoints, while rooted in genuine concern for global welfare, often miss the mark by oversimplifying an issue of profound complexity. The debate over the efficacy of development aid, for instance, becomes muddled when considering the unique circumstances of countries like Rwanda. In the wake of the catastrophic genocide, Rwanda experienced a surge in economic growth following substantial financial support. Yet, attributing this success solely to external aid overlooks the myriad factors at play, casting doubt on the reliability of such singular examples as definitive proof of aid's effectiveness. Indeed, a broader examination of data from over a hundred countries reveals no clear correlation between receiving aid and achieving superior economic growth, further complicating the narrative. This evidence suggests that grappling with poverty through the lens of broad theoretical economic inquiries might not only be ineffective, but could detract from identifying practical, actionable solutions. The crux of the issue lies not in the high-level contentious debates that dominate discourse, but in a meticulous examination of specific interventions and their outcomes at the grassroots level. Rather than allocating precious resources and energy to the endless deliberation of grand economic questions, a more fruitful approach may involve a pivot towards scrutinizing the minutiae of poverty alleviation efforts. By understanding the nuances of why certain measures succeed where others fail, we stand a better chance at crafting strategies that genuinely address the multifaceted nature of poverty. This shift in focus from the macro to the micro opens up new pathways to explore and, ultimately, may offer a more solid foundation for making impactful progress in the fight against global poverty. Part 2. Decoding the Economics of Poverty. Why Understanding the Poor's Decisions Matters. In the intricate tapestry of global economics, the financial choices of the world's impoverished have often been overlooked, relegated to the sidelines of economic discourse. It's an oversight born from a misleading assumption. Living on less than a dollar a day, a daily reality for 13% of the global population back in 2005, seemingly leaves little room for complex economic decision-making. The truth, however, paints a starkly different picture. Contrary to prevailing misconceptions, 
economic rationality is a requisite survival tool in the arsenal of the poor. With resources scarce and living conditions dire, every financial choice carries weight, each decision teetering on the precipice of life-altering implications. For those caught in the grip of poverty, the stakes of economic decisions soar astronomically high, demanding a level of deliberation that far surpasses the norm found in more affluent societies. This overlooked depth of economic strategizing among the impoverished not only warrants serious academic attention, but also holds the key to unlocking more effective poverty eradication strategies. A closer examination reveals a perplexing paradox. Despite the availability of aid and resources from nonprofits and governmental bodies, many among the poor hesitate to engage with these lifelines. From spurning free vaccinations that could pivotally improve health outcomes to expending limited funds on transient pleasures like coffee, their decisions might seem counterintuitive at first glance, yet dismissing these behaviors as merely irrational misses the complexity of the underlying forces at play. Economic decisions among the impoverished are not made in a vacuum. They are deeply intertwined with cultural norms, social pressures, and psychological factors. The seeming reluctance to invest in long-term benefits over immediate gratifications reflects a nuanced negotiation of daily survival, a calculus where the immediate known outweighs the potential, yet uncertain, future gains. To truly advance the fight against poverty, a paradigm shift is essential. We must move beyond superficial interpretations of the poor's economic choices and delve into the intricate web of influences that shape these decisions. By fostering a deeper, empathetic understanding of the economic logic operating within contexts of extreme deprivation, we uncover the nuanced insights necessary for crafting interventions that resonate with the lived realities of the impoverished. It is only through this lens of informed empathy and nuanced understanding that we can illuminate the path towards helping the world's poor make decisions that better serve their long-term well-being, marshalling in a new era of targeted, effective, and truly transformative poverty alleviation efforts. Part 3. Reimagining the Fight Against Poverty, the Crucial Role of Nutrition When we think of poverty, images of hunger and malnutrition often come to mind automatically. It's a natural assumption, the notion that lack of food or hunger is intrinsically linked to the vicious cycle of poverty. This perspective, widely shared among economists and policymakers, posits that hunger undermines productivity, fueling the persistence of poverty. However, this conventional wisdom misses a crucial piece of the puzzle. While hunger is undoubtedly a pressing issue in today's world, it cannot be pegged as the overarching cause of ongoing poverty. Intriguingly, evidence from over 18 countries suggests that the financial constraints of the impoverished do not necessarily force them to skimp on calorie intake. In fact, many have sufficient means to procure more food if necessary, but choose instead to spend on tastier, albeit more expensive, choices rather than maximizing calorie intake. The real issue at hand isn't the quantity of food, but its quality. The diets of many poor individuals, especially children, are severely lacking in essential micronutrients like iron and iodine. 
This deficiency doesn't just affect physical health. It has far-reaching implications on cognitive development in children and economic productivity in adults. Remarkably, a study in Indonesia illuminated the profound impact of nutrition on economic outcomes. Individuals who consumed iron supplements for a few months exhibited increased work capacity and earned significantly more. This evidence indicates a glaring gap in the general understanding of poverty's nexus with nutrition. The impoverished are often not fully aware of the critical importance of nutritious food. It is here that governments and non-governmental organizations, NGOs, could make a transformative difference by supplying nutrient-rich foods or supplements and fortifying staple foods with essential minerals. For instance, India's introduction of iron-fortified salt stands as a pioneering example of how policy interventions can address micronutrient deficiencies effectively. To truly make strides in the battle against poverty, it's imperative to shift the narrative from merely making food cheaper to enhancing its nutritional value. By prioritizing the delivery of high-quality, enjoyable, and nutrient-dense foods, we can not only tackle the immediate challenges of malnutrition, but also set the stage for long-term improvements in health, cognitive ability, and economic productivity among the world's poor. This nuanced approach to addressing poverty underscores the critical role of nutrition in breaking the cycle of deprivation and opening up new avenues for sustainable development. Part 4. Transforming Healthcare, a path to uplifting the world's impoverished. For individuals living in poverty, health isn't just a matter of well-being, it's a critical economic lifeline. In families teetering on the edge of survival, a single case of illness can swiftly spiral into a financial abyss, slashing income and piling up debts. To alleviate this precarious situation, a multifaceted approach to revamp healthcare in developing nations is crucial. First and foremost, the accessibility and reliability of medical services must be bolstered. Despite the existence of public health infrastructures in many developing countries, the poor frequently navigate away from them. The root of this avoidance lies in the system's inefficiency. Medical facilities often find their doors closed when needed most, and the staff, plagued by a lack of motivation, register a staggering absentee rate of 35%, as revealed by a World Bank study. To bridge this gap, governments are tasked with a vital mission to ensure public health systems are not only accessible but dependable, providing the impoverished with a healthcare sanctuary they can trust. However, the pathway to healthcare utilization isn't solely hindered by system inefficacies. The terrain of cultural beliefs and an absence of health literacy also poses significant obstacles. Case in point, a study in Udaipur, India, uncovered a revealing narrative. The local poor distrusted the efficacy of oral rehydration solutions available at medical stations, anchored in the belief that only injections wield the power to heal. This disconnect underscores the necessity of health education, illuminating the importance of demystifying medical treatments and dispelling myths through targeted information campaigns. Lastly, while knowledge is power, it often isn't enough to catalyze action. The human penchant for valuing immediate benefits over future well-being plays out in healthcare too. 
with vaccinations, a preventive cornerstone, frequently overlooked due to their intangible immediate gains. Here, inventive incentives can turn the tide. A project in India demonstrated the potent pull of tangible rewards, where the promise of a set of plates for each vaccination saw completion rates soar from a mere 6 to an impressive 38%. This triad of solutions, revamping healthcare accessibility, advancing health education, and cleverly leveraging incentives, unveils the blueprint for a proactive and resilient health system. By delving into the underlying reasons deterring the impoverished from seeking medical help, we can tailor interventions that resonate, motivating healthier decisions. It is through such nuanced, compassionate understanding and action that we embolden the world's poor, granting them the healthcare support they critically need to thrive. Part 5. Revolutionizing Education. A beacon of hope for developing countries. At the heart of the battle against poverty lies a potent weapon, education. In recent years, strides have been made in developing countries to pave the way for universal access to schooling. This movement towards educating every child is commendable, yet it uncovers a more nuanced challenge, ensuring the quality of education, not just its availability. The stark reality is that having educational institutions and mandatory enrollment does not guarantee learning. A significant concern is the dedication, or lack thereof, of public school staff. A revealing study by the World Bank highlighted a pervasive issue of teacher absenteeism, with shocking findings such as 50% of Indian teachers absent from their classrooms during school hours. This absenteeism not only undermines the education system, but also leads to a generation of students who attend school without truly learning. Compounding this challenge is the prevalence of elitist ideologies within the education systems of developing countries. Such attitudes foster environments where only the academically inclined, a fraction of the student population, thrive. Consequently, a vast number of children, devoid of an elitist academic mindset, are inadvertently excluded from meaningful education. This issue is especially pronounced in societies where elitism is culturally ingrained, as seen in India, where the education system fails to impart even basic skills to a large segment of its youth. Equally critical is addressing the economic misconceptions held by parents in developing nations. Surveys reveal a troubling trend where families, operating under stringent budget constraints, often invest their entire education budget into the most academically promising child to the detriment of their other children's educational needs. This calculation is fundamentally flawed. The societal benefits of providing a basic education to a broader segment of the population far outweigh the gains of having a single, highly educated individual within a family. For developing countries to leverage education as a cornerstone for poverty alleviation, a multifaceted approach is required. This includes not only fostering an inclusive educational atmosphere that eschews elitism, but also correcting parental misconceptions about the value of widespread basic education. By tackling these challenges head on, these societies can ensure that the promise of education is not just a theoretical right, but a practical reality a move that is paramount in the collective fight against poverty. Part 6. 
empowering women and protecting the poor, a sustainable approach to reducing population growth. The intricate dance between poverty and population growth has prompted countries worldwide to seek ways to modulate the latter. Yet, the endeavor to curb population growth unearths layers of complexity and ethical considerations. At its heart, the decision to have multiple children by those in impoverished conditions is not merely a cultural phenomenon, but a pragmatic strategy for survival. In the absence of robust social security systems, the elderly often rely on their progeny for support during their twilight years. This dynamic is vividly illustrated in countries like China, where over half of the elderly population resides with their offspring, relying on them for financial and emotional support. Hence, one of the pivotal strategies in addressing population growth is enhancing the social protection mechanisms for the most vulnerable. By providing a safety net for the elderly and the impoverished, the necessity of having many children as a form of social security becomes less compelling. Another critical avenue to navigate this challenge is through the empowerment of women. The conventional path leading women towards marriage and motherhood as the primary, if not sole, life ambition underscores the need for alternative narratives. However, the solution to the population conundrum extends beyond merely increasing education or awareness about contraception. It requires a fundamental shift in societal structures and attitudes to fortify the position of women within the family and the broader society. Empirical insights reveal a telling trend. Women, when given a choice, often opt for fewer children than men. This disparity underscores the potential impact of empowering women on family planning decisions. A noteworthy example from Peru exemplifies this principle. When land ownership rights extended to include women, families in which women were recognized as co-owners tended to have fewer children. This correlation between women's empowerment and reduced fertility rates illustrates how acknowledging and bolstering women's agency can lead to more deliberate and informed reproductive choices. Facing the population growth issue demands nuanced and comprehensive strategies that take into account the underlying societal and economic factors. By paving the way for stronger social protection for the poor and advocating for women's rights and empowerment, we embark on a sustainable path toward mitigating population growth, a journey that not only addresses the symptoms but also the root causes entrenched in poverty and gender inequality. Part 7. Microcredits. A step forward, but not a silver bullet for poverty. In the toolkit for combating poverty, microcredits have emerged as both a celebrated innovation and a subject of debate. These small loans serve as a lifeline for the impoverished, enabling them to launch or invest in businesses when traditional banks deem them too risky or the loan amounts too inconsequential to bother with. Without microcredits, many would find themselves at the mercy of loan sharks, entangled in the snare of exorbitant interest rates. By providing the poor with a more accessible financing option, microcredits open the door for entrepreneurial endeavors, be it through renting a shop or purchasing a vital piece of equipment like a wheelbarrow. This financial innovation has indeed proven its mettle, with evidence showing that recipients of microloans are more inclined to invest in their businesses and take proactive steps towards securing their economic futures.
Nonetheless, it's essential to acknowledge the limitations of microcredits as a panacea for poverty. The boost they provide often doesn't extend beyond the short term. Unfortunately, many businesses kick-started with these loans struggle to sustain themselves over time. The reasons are twofold. First, for a business to scale and flourish, it typically needs to graduate from micro-loans to larger investments, a leap that current financial systems in developing countries are ill-equipped to support due to the absence of institutions willing to lend larger amounts at feasible interest rates. Second, the saturation of similar small businesses, all birthed not from market demand but sheer necessity, leads to an environment where many cannot survive long-term. With too many peddling identical wares on the same streets, the market quickly becomes overcrowded. This leads us to a pivotal conclusion. While financial instruments like microcredits can indeed propel poor people and developing economies forward, they are insufficient as a standalone solution for eradicating poverty. The bedrock of sustainable economic development and poverty alleviation remains the creation of secure, well-paying jobs. Microcredits are a testament to the power of financial innovation to make a difference in the lives of the poor, showcasing the potential for progress when opportunities are made more accessible. However, as we journey towards a world free from poverty, it is crucial to keep sight of the larger picture, recognizing that the path to lasting change is paved with a multitude of solutions, among which secure employment stands paramount. Part 8. Shielding the Vulnerable the critical role of insurance in breaking the poverty cycle. In the disparate worlds of the rich and the poor, access to insurance stands as a stark dividing line. For those in affluent nations, insurance serves as a protective barrier against the unforeseeable, be it job loss, illness or other misfortunes. This safety net is largely absent in developing countries where the impoverished face the whims of fate unprotected. By fostering more accessible insurance solutions, we could significantly alleviate the fears that shadow the daily lives of the world's poor. Consider the plight of the average poor individual, often a peasant, whose livelihood teeters on the unpredictable scales of weather and market prices, or a worker juggling multiple jobs with the constant threat of losing one. In the face of such volatility, some communities have taken matters into their own hands, establishing informal networks of support. However, these grassroots efforts, while commendable, offer only a patchwork defense against adversity, inadequate for addressing more substantial crises. This is where the role of governments and policy becomes pivotal. By incentivizing both the uptake of insurance among the impoverished and the offering of affordable plans by private insurers, a more robust shield against misfortune can be forged. While not all risks that the poor face can be insured, Significant strides can be made in areas such as crop failure and other environmental contingencies. The obstacles to this vision are manifold. The cost of premiums, deep-seated skepticism, and a pervasive short-term mindset among the poor deter engagement with private insurance schemes. Recognizing these barriers, government intervention becomes essential to catalyze a shift. A compelling example of this approach in action was observed in Ghana where the subsidization of weather insurance led to widespread adoption among the impoverished populations. 
Once the initial hesitancy is overcome and the tangible benefits of insurance coverage become apparent, there is potential for the evolution toward a self-sustaining market. This transition underscores the need for a thoughtful, incisive approach to incentivizing insurance for the poor, one that acknowledges the immediate challenges while laying the groundwork for long-term sustainability. Empowering the world's impoverished with insurance against the vagaries of life is not just an act of alleviation, but a strategic move toward breaking the relentless cycle of poverty. By integrating the vulnerable into a safety net of protection, we open avenues for stability, resilience, and progress, echoing the adage that to shield the most vulnerable is to uplift society as a whole. Part 9. Combining Forces The Dual Approach to Eradicating Poverty The battle against poverty is a complex and multifaceted one, with no silver bullet in sight. Recognizing this, experts across the globe agree that the fight requires a combination of sweeping institutional reforms and targeted local actions. The former encompasses tackling issues like political instability and corruption, which significantly hamper efforts to alleviate poverty. Corrupt practices, particularly the embezzlement of funds designated for anti-poverty initiatives, thwart the progress toward creating equitable living conditions for all. This pervasive challenge has led many economists and political scientists to argue in favor of comprehensive institutional overhauls, such as the transition toward more democratic governance structures. The consensus is that without addressing the root causes of political and financial instability, efforts to lift communities out of poverty may prove futile. Yet, while the focus on grand-scale transformations is vital, it is equally important not to overlook the potential of smaller, grassroots interventions. Local initiatives have proven remarkably successful in circumventing the barriers posed by national governance issues, such as corruption. A compelling illustration of this potential is found in Uganda. In 1996, a study uncovered that a minuscule fraction of government subsidies intended for schools actually reached their destination, sparking public outrage and demands for reform. The public's response spurred tangible change, leading to a significant increase in the delivery of funds to schools by 2001. This example serves as a powerful testament to the idea that local actions, fueled by community engagement and informed by economic analysis, can achieve meaningful results even in the face of systemic challenges. It underscores the principle that while waiting for broader institutional reforms to materialize, there are actionable steps at the local level that can make an immediate and tangible difference in the lives of the impoverished. In conclusion, the pathway to ending poverty is one that necessitates a dual approach. Big-picture changes aimed at rectifying structural issues must go hand-in-hand with grassroots initiatives that directly address the immediate needs of communities. By blending these strategies, we can forge a comprehensive and effective response to the daunting challenge of poverty, embodying the principle that local empowerment and institutional transformation are complementary forces in the quest for a fairer world. Final Summary Navigating the labyrinthine challenge of poverty requires more than just goodwill. 
it demands a nuanced understanding of the intricate realities faced by the impoverished and a rigorous scrutiny of the interventions employed in combating this global issue. Poor economics illuminates the multifaceted nature of poverty and underscores the critical need for a blend of empathy, evidence-based strategies, and innovation in addressing the myriad factors that perpetuate economic deprivation. By delving into the daily decisions, struggles, and aspirations of those living in the clutches of poverty, we are invited to reevaluate our perspectives and strategies towards eradicating poverty. The book proposes that success in this endeavor hinges not on grand theories or one-size-fits-all solutions, but on localized, context-sensitive actions informed by a deep understanding of the specific needs and conditions of impoverished communities. In essence, the journey towards a world free from poverty is marked by continuous learning, adaptation, and the collective effort to create a scaffold of support that empowers the world's poorest to build a more prosperous future for themselves. It is a testament to the power of human resilience and ingenuity, reminding us that with the right approach, overcoming poverty is within our grasp. Thank you for joining me today on this journey of learning and discovery as we explored the insights of another thought-provoking book in our growing library of knowledge. If you've enjoyed our time together, please take a moment to follow our podcast, give us a five-star rating, and share 20-minute books with other knowledge seekers. Your support truly means a lot. Don't forget to join me again in the next episode, where we will delve into another enriching book. Until then. Happy reading and happy listening.